Early on when I was the charismatic prayer of Bay City in the basement, I asked people to pray for me. This is Bill Richard, the Director of Music Ministries at St. William Parish in Walled Lake, speaking about a time during his postgraduate slump when he didn't know where God was calling him to be. Because I was thinking of seminary and others, and like, where does God want me? And uh, I remember my friend Kenny had a word of prophecy, and he said, there's a call in your life, and the call is irrevocable. And I never forgot that. Never forgot that. There's a call in your life, and it ain't going anywhere. And so um, I, I think... The greatest joy I always had was in praising the Lord, leading praise and worship, going to a conference, having a few thousand people raising their hands and worshiping in the Spirit. There are those few rare people who know exactly what they are called to do from a young age. The little boys who played mass who ultimately joined the priesthood. The little girls who rocked baby dolls dreaming of motherhood, only to one day assume that role years later with joy the high school sweethearts who danced at prom together, and then their wedding years later. They are incredibly rare, and to the rest of us banging our heads against the wall about these life-altering decisions or spending years in prayer in unknowing desperation, they can seem almost miraculous. Because most of our paths are long and winding. But that call of ours, that seemingly elusive call, it ain't going anywhere. Take it from someone who knows. Former oil rigger, marching band marcher, twice seminarian, teacher, DJ, husband, father, and Catholic lay evangelist, Bill Richard. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by Weingarts, everything from lawn to snow. Over the years, Weingarts has grown to offer an unbeatable selection of outdoor power equipment, and their experienced service technician and unmatched parts inventory keep your equipment running like new. Visit www.weingarts.com to shop for your lawn and garden needs and find a convenient location near you. I'm originally from Bay City. Grew up a big old Catholic family, nine kids. Today, Bill Richard is Director of Music Ministries at St. William Parish in Walled Lake. But before that, he was a Catholic lay evangelist touring as Bill Richard and friends throughout the country and the world, leading charismatic praise and worship for retreats and parish missions. He's produced five CDs used by individuals and prayer groups worldwide. Bill's love for his faith was a natural fruit of the faith-filled family he grew up in. Bill's father had even spent years in the seminary and was even sent to study in Rome before he discerned out and met Bill's mother. This made priesthood a natural thing for Bill to consider himself when he was old enough. So I always thought about it, but I was torn because as as vocation director said, he said, you know, the things that would have made you a good priest will also just make you a good father. And so, um, so that was always uh, a wrestling match in my life. Bill went to community college for a year and then to Michigan State. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I went for a year at State, but I really just couldn't afford to go, and I couldn't really afford uh, to kind of figure my way and pay for it until I got there. He decided to take some time off to save for college, but it was the 1980s, and Michigan was in the height of what many have referred to as a, quote, one-state recession. The state's jobless rate hit 17%, and Bill and his peers deeply felt the effects of that. 
His mom had a cousin out in Oklahoma who had helped guys get jobs on oil rigs. I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. So I drove, uh, starting like in January, I, I drove down to Oklahoma and um, I stayed with my cousin. I knew it was a different world when I got to Oklahoma. Oil rigging was rigorous work and incredibly dangerous. I would live with a guy uh, from Birmingham who was also down there working on the oil rigs and he kept breaking his thumb. He'll never be able to grab a ball. And I probably broke a few, lightly broke this. We always have cut scrapes. It was, it was a dangerous job. And I finally decided I needed all 10 of my fingers. So he tried a few other things. He went to work for a supermarket and then as a DJ for a country radio station. KWY, Big W Country in Weatherford, Oklahoma. <laughs> and um, uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. In Oklahoma, Bill soon found that the most peculiar part of him was not his Michigan accent or the fact that he called soda pop, but his religion. I knew I was a little ways from home. Everybody's Baptist, you know, everybody. I'm the, the, I and my aunt are the only lone Catholics, I think. 40% of Oklahomans identify as Baptist, compared to 10% for Catholics there. For Bill, coming from a city where Catholicism was the majority, it was a bit of a culture shock. It seemed like everyone Bill met was either antagonistically telling him why he was wrong or sweetly trying to bring him to the right side. And they were the ones that made me think. And I had asked myself, okay, am I going through the motions as a Catholic or do I really believe Jesus is Lord? Do I really believe the Holy Spirit moves in power? And, um, and I realized I did. And I also realized that I wasn't planning on leaving the Catholic Church. I'd never walk away from the Eucharist. And, but I was challenged to the point where you can just sleepwalk forever as a Catholic. So I think it probably, as an adult, not climbing on the back of my wonderful parents and their faith, I had to decide, okay, Bill, what do you believe? And, and I think that's the, that was the beginning of it. So clearly, um, the Lord wanted me, and I, I believe this to this day, I was called to minister to my own church. Oklahoma had given Bill confidence in his faith and the desire to go into ministry. Bill returned to Michigan and resumed his education at Michigan State, choosing a major in music education with a minor in speech and drama. Choosing these studies made sense for him. When he thought back to a younger Bill throughout his upbringing, music was the one thing that stood out. But while Bill thrived in his studies, the faith that had matured in Oklahoma grew tepid. It was not a good time, faith-wise, Michigan State. I was all over the place. There were a lot of things I regret and uh, things I wish I could do differently. And so I kind of walked away for a while. I, I don't walk away from my faith, but I certainly was in the winter when we had to walk a long way to get to the student parish. It was like, forget that mess, it's 10 below. And, um, you know, I was, like, I was not living what I said I believed. That all changed when a girl from one of his music classes reached out with an invitation. She said, hey, I think I've seen you at the student parish. We're doing our weekend of Christian living. Want to come? So she directly invited me to join the Catholic retreat. And so I was like, well, but she kept after me in a gentle way and finally said, sure, you know, I'll go. It was... It was okay. It was okay. The retreat may not have hooked Bill, but the relationships did. Like the one friend he met, Mike, who invited him to be a retreat leader for the next retreat. And that was the retreat that really left a mark. 
And all of a sudden, from a general, let's be nice retreat, suddenly it turned to, no, you need to know Jesus. I've had such an encounter with the Lord, meeting the Lord. And, and, uh, and when you're before the Lord, you're either filled with joy or you fall on your face weeping. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, be merciful to me, a sinner. I understand Peter falling at the shore when Jesus sends all the fish into the net. He doesn't go, nice job, Lord. He comes to the, he comes to the, he swims to shore, falls on his face and says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And I know, I know that sentiment that Peter had. I know that sentiment. And been a few times in my life. But that was, that, that's the first night I can really remember where I just, I was just blown away by the presence of God. And so uh, um, I think that pulled me back from some craziness um, from Michigan State in a lot of ways. Bill graduated in 1988 and spent the next year subbing at schools while searching for a full-time teaching job. It was a tough time. Ripped from the vibrant Catholic community he had found at Michigan State and flung into the post-grad malaise of underemployment, he felt lonely and isolated. On a whim, he took a trip to Colorado and spent 10 days praying at a Trappist monastery, hiking up mountains and searching for God's elusive voice. That feeling of belonging, of meaning, of direction. And um, so I went there and spent 10 days. I'll never forget sitting on top of a mountain. So it's just, again, another experience, looking for other experiences and um, finding God in, in all sorts of stuff, in all sorts of places. And um, so I, I think I have great uh, understanding for those who search and, and they find God in all sorts of places. Thank God, God is speaking in all, in all sorts of places that people can find Him if you just ask. You know, keep knocking. And, and people, some people are knocking in nature, some people are knocking in the church. Um, um, God's just looking for people knocking. And, uh, so for me, um, that, that was a beautiful, a beautiful time. When he returned home, he started going to church to pray. The year that I was subbing, uh, I went into the local church and uh, they had a rockin' prayer group called Heart of Christ. Now, I didn't know much about charismatics. I, I knew a few charismatics, but I really didn't know much about it. And um, so there... Um, uh, it was nine o'clock and I just, it was a Wednesday night and I just was sitting in church and I was used to doing music here and there. I'd play guitar for this and that and the other thing. So I was used to like, hey, we'll just lock the door when you leave, you know. So they didn't know me at visitation. So at nine o'clock and there was this big group, about 50 people. And I look in the little diamond windows in the school cafeteria, which was below the church. And there it's a Wednesday night and these people are waving their hands and they're, <clears throat> they're all happy to be there on a night they don't have to be there. It's a Wednesday. And I said the usual thing that people do before they get into this. It's like, well, that's good for them. Not really, that's not for me, but oh boy, that's really awesome. Well, the Lord had other plans. So, and this was a big moment in my faith life. At first, this style of praise felt strange to Bill. Foreign. He felt self-conscious, but he felt compelled to come back. So the next Wednesday, I got there with much fear and trembling, uh, and everybody's waving, and I don't know what to do, you know, what do you do with your hands, you know, everybody's else's hands are up and they're waving, and I, what do I do? So I did the, uh, we call it the cup of praise, so you kind of like cup your hands in front of you, like, okay, I'm, I'm part of the club here. <laughs> and then uh, as time goes on, you kind of open your hands, because it's just, it's, it's 
It's such a, a posture of prayer. And then all of a sudden, like, what am I doing? Like, and like the rubber bands would contract and my hands would be together. For the next year, while Bill was juggling subbing gigs and job applications, he spent evenings once a week in the basement of Visitation Catholic Church playing music. There is one night he remembers in particular. It was the summer before his first full-time teaching position, and he was wanting prayer. The group gathered around him to lay hands on him. And I'm like, all right, you know, bring it on, Lord, whatever you want, Lord. I'm, I say yes, whatever it is, I say yes. And they prayed for a while, and I had friends who, oh my gosh, they rested in the spirit, and they started praising in tongues and all this stuff. And finally, they all lifted up their hands, and they went to the next person. I was like, wait, wait, it missed. It missed. I don't feel anything. Nothing happened. But it was something about that yes. Something about saying yes. Lord, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, I say yes. I don't even know what that means, but I say yes. And I am convinced that that yes took me in a different direction. That direction started small at first. A priest friend was doing a healing mass for the Knights of Columbus and needed a musician, so Bill played for their mass. People started sharing Bill's name with more prayer groups and more parishes. He accumulated a repertoire of praise and worship songs that he could play, and he loved it. It was another whisper from the Holy Spirit, a voice telling him, hey, you got this. You're good at this. Maybe you should do this. Bill's Praise and Worship Roadshow started in Michigan, but then grew in popularity and started branching out. Soon, he found himself traveling all over the place. It was the perfect gig, but still something kept nagging at him. That call he'd heard in his younger years, the one his own father wrestled with, was God calling him to be a priest? Bill wasn't sure, so he joined the seminary again this time studying with the Maris in Framingham, Massachusetts. It was spectacular. Mm -hmm. There was three, four, five of us guys, five, no, four, five of us guys. And we lived, it was an old seminary and it became a retreat house. It was a great fall, tremendous fall. I would, yeah, I entered into the rhythm of prayer of the older priests, the morning prayer and mass, and then evening prayer or morning prayer and then evening prayer and mass, but every day, just the rhythm of prayer was beautiful. In the spring, he and the other seminarians were sent to take classes in California. It was going really well, but in the throes of the bucolic beauty and the monastic rigor was a complicating factor that Bill couldn't stop thinking about. His brother, Pat, had just been diagnosed with brain cancer the previous year, and things were not looking good. Pat, who was 30, uh, he had turned 35 with a wife and four kids, an attorney down in Cincinnati. I can't see him as he starts to lose more control. And so my sister called and said, Pat's not doing well. I mean, we're just sadly see this really sharp, handsome man um, just be brought down bit by bit by the brain cancer. It was heartbreaking. And I was thousand miles away. So Bill left the seminary and returned to the Midwest in 1998 and spent the next several months with his brother Pat. That June, Pat passed away. But the lingering question mark regarding seminary remained for Bill. He hadn't exactly discerned out of a call to the priesthood. He had simply followed a desire to support his family and his brother through a difficult time of life. So um, when I left, I was really wrestling, saying, 
you know, Lord, I, I hope I've made the right decision. I didn't just leave because I wanted to see my brother. Did, did I leave because I don't want to be a priest? Or, you know, so there was still kind of jumbling things. You know, I said, I'm going to keep an open mind and heart. And, you know, if the Lord wants me to serve him, I, I, I swear. But I just don't know what it looks like. So he did what many believers do when they're at their wit's end. He asked for a sign. Planning a visit to see his aging grandmother, Bill made a deal with God. The sign was that my grandma would say, hi, Bill. Now, my grandma was about 95, was in a nursing home in Indianapolis where my, my, my dad's sister Aunt Judy lived. And so she hadn't known who anybody was for about 15 years. So if I walked up to her and she said, hi, Bill, that was it. I'm going back to seminary. That, that's, that's the call, Lord, that's my sign. During his next visit to Indianapolis, Bill steeled himself. He met with his aunt and uncle and then went to see his grandmother, who, Bill learned, had become good friends with a man in the nursing home named Paul. Now, I never met Paul. Paul had no idea who I was. Um, in fact, Paul was probably just as lost as grandma. But they had struck this friendship up. So I was going to see grandma and I was going to see this Paul. So we go, we get to the nursing home, we park in the parking lot, and we walk across the parking lot, and there's this big long aisle way. And at the end of the aisle, there is grandma, and there's this Paul. And as I and so if a grandma says, hi, Bill, that's it. I'm going back to center. So I get right up to him and Paul turns, looks right at me and says, hi, Bill. I'm like, I said, well, oh, geez. So I'm mentally packing for seminary. Well, geez, I'll bring my keyboard. I got to figure out an order and yada, yada, yada. So my, my Aunt Judy is just a card. She lets me simmer in that for about 30 seconds until she thinks my head's going to explode. And then she says, uh, by the way, Bill, he calls everybody Bill. <laughs> that God of ours sure has a sense of humor. To Bill, this was a sign, though not the sign he expected. I suddenly understood the whole thing because I felt like, well, that was close enough. The Lord called me, even though I didn't go back to seminary. But this is what happened. I realized the Lord exactly answered my prayer because hi, Bill, meant that he wanted me to serve him. But it wasn't grandma, it was Paul, which means he wanted me to serve him, but not exactly the way I was asking and expecting. I had asked the wrong question. Not do you want me to be a priest. I should have been asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? And when he realized that, the answer to what he should do with his life seemed to have been there all along. It was what was tested during his time in Oklahoma, strengthened during his years at Michigan State, and what offered him the most joy, his years leading praise and worship. It was also his favorite class in high school. So I decided I want to be Catholic lay evangelist. I'm going to try this crazy life. That crazy life meant moving back in with his parents for a time, serving as a lay Catholic evangelist for countless retreats, parish missions, etc., he traveled to 30 different states, nine countries, spent countless hours on the road in a van with his keyboard and his speakers, and relied on God's providence for financial support. And eventually, on one of those retreats, he met his future wife, Anne-Marie. I told her, I said, listen, I, I want to serve the Lord. I'm called to do this. I, I, you know, you need to know it's going to be unusual. Um, so, but we got married in 2003 and I just, continued to travel. He and his wife bought a fixer-upper in Bay City and went to work tackling project after project with the little money they had. 
And then Bill and his wife welcomed their first child. Our first son, our, our boy came on, Will, and he was born in 2006. And, um, and just a dear boy, very healthy, happy. And then four years later. 12 20 2010. I'll forever be able to rattle off the date. Faith Marie Richard was born at the University of Michigan. Several prenatal ultrasounds and anatomy scans had found complications that typically indicate Down syndrome and possible heart complications. And as soon as she, uh, as soon as she was born, they whisked her away, these long purple legs. I thought she was stillborn, and I was with her in the end. And um, uh, so she was in the NICU, uh, neonatal intensive care at U of M. And she was baptized on Thursday, and then Friday she would have her first procedure. So we, um, um, so she went through the surgery, and she got through okay, but there she is in the NICU. And Amory and I pretty much lived there for all of December. Faith's health complications demanded intensive, round-the-clock care and a need for the best health care providers. Faith had an operation at six months, another at two and a half, and Bill and Anne Marie were paying for it all out of pocket. It was quite a challenge because here I am, I'm a Catholic lay evangelist, I'm serving the Lord, no guts, no glory, surviving what the Lord provides, you know, we're not making a million dollars. But once faith came along, I realized I probably needed something with insurance. So Bill's plans changed again. He sold the van, put away the speakers in the attic, and set aside the passion for lay ministry with a passion that well eclipsed it, his family. And I realized I have to take care of my family. I got hired at St. Joseph Howell, and I was there for seven years. After years pursuing his hard-sought vocation, it wasn't nearly as difficult to set aside as he would have expected. The joy of being able to offer stability and peace of mind for his family far outweighed anything at that point. He still did side gigs, the occasional parish mission in Peoria or Chicago, but his family was the priority. You know, I clipped my wings a bit, but I had to take care of my family. He spent the next seven years at that job, content, if not the freewheeling lifestyle he'd envisioned, but God wasn't done throwing curveballs. What happened next became what Bill would describe as his Job moment. A routine ear infection uncovered what appeared to be an abnormally swollen lymph node. The doctor sent him in for a scan. He got the call the day after Christmas. So there it is. I've got a special needs kid. I'm surviving by singing and playing piano, and I now have throat cancer. It was overwhelming. He was fitted for a radiotherapy mask and given radiation treatments and chemotherapy. Doctors said he'd have an 82% chance of survival with radiation and a 91% chance with chemotherapy. On the first day of his radiation therapy, Bill quickly learned God wasn't about to leave him to deal with this alone. Laying on the spine board, it's the first day of radiation. I thought, am I going to die from this? what's going to happen? I mean, you know. So I'm laying there and I can barely see the first time because it's way over here and it kinda, I see the little straws, kind of lead straws open and then it closes and it goes up to here and I suddenly realized I forgot to ask them, should I have my eyes closed? Is this going to burn my eyes? Am I going to be blind with my eyes open while this is going on? And I'm like, I never asked them and it's here, you know, it's, it's, at, it's at like at 10 o'clock. So I'm like, well, I'm going to look. So it gets right overhead. It's 
right over it, I look up at this and I see the, like the 40 cut and a half straws pull apart. And as I watch, the pattern is two eyes, a nose, and a smiling face. What? You know, it does this thing and then it closes and it moves to here and it does some nondescript thing and then it goes to here, I can barely see it, it does some other nondescript. And they come and they unlatch me. And I'm thinking, God, that's so cool, they did that. They're kind of a first day thing, you know, give me hope, that's so cool, they did that. A smiling face, that's amazing. They wonder how they did that. Whether the smile was just a machine doing its job or a supernatural sign from the Lord, it didn't really matter. What mattered was Bill's unwavering trust that whatever was going to happen, God had his back. Monday through Friday for seven weeks, I looked at the Lord and the Lord looked at me. And I, will, I can't tell you what that did for my faith in the middle of going through cancer, whether I was going to leave my wife with my son and my special needs little girl. So um, that was just amazing. That was just amazing. I'll never forget it. So the uh, Lord gave me a lot of hope during cancer. So I survived that and uh, continued taking care of faith. Um, Will would grow stronger and stronger. Bill's recovery from cancer was a short-lived celebration. By the time Faith had turned 11, her intestines were struggling. Over time, she could no longer digest. If she caught a cold, it kept her bedridden for weeks. She finally just, you could see that she just couldn't digest anymore. Nothing was working. So we had to stop feeding her. It was heartbreaking. And so she finally died last July. And it's been a... It's been a heck of a year. It's been a heck of a year. Um, I'm glad we had some time last summer, but um, I know it's funny. I feel like I miss her more now than I did then. Maybe I was still in shock, but so I, I miss my, my pumpkin, my little girl. And uh, I mean, I have a lot of questions for the Lord when I see him. A lot of questions, but uh, I still, I had to make this decision to say, Lord, I still believe you're good. I still believe you love me. I believe I'm gonna see faith again. The funeral was celebrated at St. William in Wald Lake, the same parish he had been working at for the previous three years. Since his daughter's death last year, Bill has been in an unthinkable position of having to lead a congregation in a joyful song to the Lord, sometimes even songs played at his daughter's funeral, while nursing a profound grief. And I remember that music aloud into the inner recesses of the heart. It is so true. It is so true. And so even in my brokenness, if I could sing to the Lord, I could feel his presence. In the brokenness of losing my daughter and, and cancer, it's like, Lord, I got very little to bring to you. I got 1% tonight to minister to this church full of people who are just as needy as I am. But Lord, I promise I'll bring you my 1%. And when I've said that, when I brought my 1% that's there and on fire, um, the Lord has multiplied it and he does greater things. Bill is one of those rare gems of a human who, even in the throes of deepest sorrow, is filled up by bringing others closer to Christ. It has been tethering him through the dark past few years and inspiring him to keep getting up every day.
And that is what a true vocation looks like. When everything is stripped from you, but the desire to rise up and live out your vocation persists. My heart is to evangelize. And I think when I'm evangelizing, the Lord lets everything else lift. How do you keep going? Put one foot in front of the other. Uh, I, I did have to make a decision afterward. Uh, is God good? Does he really care? And, uh, and as I focused on him, I've experienced, as scripture says, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And when I've experienced that, you know, it allows you to keep going. And sometimes it's, I don't know the whole path. The scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And, and, and which means all I can see is the next step. And so uh, um, our next step is we, we're here. I, I keep doing the ministries here, uh, trying to proclaim Jesus. We gather for mass. There's joys we sing together. And um, the Lord just gives me his joy with the family. Uh, there's just a lot of joy, and, and my job is to focus on the joy and not on the heartbreak. And I believe because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I'm going to see my little girl again. I'm going to see my parents. My brother, Pat, my brother-in-law died about two years ago. I'm going to see, going to see Bill. Um, all people of faith. And so uh, uh, it finally comes down to the fact is what we do touches our life now where we're hopefully more peaceful, hopefully more happy. But when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we're talking about eternity. So I trust because of Jesus and uh, uh, have to trust because of Jesus. And when I sing to the Lord and people are singing, that's my moment for me that I feel like heaven meets earth just for a moment. And I can be with my loved ones. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by Weingarts, everything from lawn to snow. Over the years, Weingarts has grown to offer an unbeatable selection of outdoor power equipment and their experienced service technicians and unmatched parts inventory keep your equipment running like new. Visit www.weingarts.com to shop for your lawn and garden needs and find a convenient location near you.